Thank you, Lord Jesus, because we have an economy that has come from you. And we thank you, Jesus, because we are part of heaven's economy. We are part of Zion's economy. We thank you, Father, because there is a reward that awaits us. We thank you, Father, because we accumulate wealth that is not judged by human understanding, but we accumulate wealth, oh God, that cannot be destroyed and does not rust, and wealth that where there is no moth, oh God, to destroy the world, the wealth that we accumulate. It is the wealth of the kingdom. It is the wealth of Zion. It is the wealth of eternity. Thank you for making us part of this system in Jesus' name. Kalende Baruseke Bahai. Ishombra Igadele Mendoskomilahai. Kadovele Kira Adoske Pale Bado. Apande Kri Askovele Kida Baraha. Thank you, Jesus, because you said to us this morning that access is granted access granted and so father we do not turn away from your word we do not turn away from what you have given to us we are not discouraged oh god but we believe that access is granted thank you father thank you holy spirit in jesus name amen amen thank you jesus hallelujah hallelujah good evening everyone good evening good afternoon wherever you may be. Um, it is good to be with you guys again um, as we continue on this journey. To my people in America, hello, hello, hello. I know it's just about maybe 12 where you are or 1 p.m. Uh, so I say good afternoon for those of you in Africa. Good evening and wherever else you may be, whatever time it may be where you are. I greet you. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And um, I am glad we are all just going on this journey. Who, who, who has this been helpful? Uh, who has received help from God in the past three sessions? Has this been good for you? Um, I, I just want to see some testimonies in the chat box. Box. Yes, I see um, Ibuku Omololu. You raised your hand. God bless you. Yes, Modupe Chizoba. Um, Jennifer Green, Asmi Cosmetics, Zalhola, Annie, Adedoni, Abby, Claire. Ah, I am so grateful to God. Tolani, Kate, Seth, Stephanie, all of you. In Kese, I am so glad that you've all been blessed. Unko Sinati. Hey, that's my friend in South Africa, right? <laughs> yes, Chika, Caroline, all of you, Favor, Vivian. Praise God. I am so, so glad. Ijoma, I am so glad. You see, um, th there's a reason why I'm asking because I need the encouragement, you know. And um, I mean, I was ha having such a great time today studying and, you know, just I took time to rest, time to study. Like I said, I'm just having some sort of mini Sabbath, you know, this whole week of fasting and just allowing myself get a lot of rest. And, you know, whenever God puts me in a position like that, it's because something big is about to So I know that something big is about to happen. I also know that um, Satan is about to challenge the word access granted. And I also know, I, I just know it, you know. Um, <laughs> Rena, I, I pray that the Lord gives you the grace, the strength, the revelation um, to deal with every kind of destruction in Jesus' name so that you will not miss out on the season. Yeah. So at some point today, I kind of just 
I don't know, somehow just began to, my enthusiasm and grace and strength just began to dwindle. And I just kind of felt like, huh, okay, all right, 14 sessions. Am I ready for this back to back? Is he blessing anybody? You know, but one or two people have sent me like testimonies and, you know, so I, I, I'm actually asking to encourage myself. And I actually told one of my friends, I said, please, can you join my session tonight? I, I think I need the, the encouragement. So, um, but I also know that it's not a reality. She, you see, oh, okay. <laughs> Praise God. So I also know that, you know, the devil is called the liar. Like it's his office. He has an entire building set up and it's called Liar Liar Incorporated. Do you understand? And all they do there, they devise plans, they devise methods, systems, apps, everything in their organization has been constructed to lie and to teach lies and to spread lies and to steal your identity from you and to make you believe, you know, that what is is not so. And they will lay some proofs along the way, you know, crumbs of proofs so that when you see the little crumbs of proofs, you know, you will believe that, oh, wow, this is true. But remember, every time you start to feel discouraged, remember what I said, liar, liar, incorporated, walking against us in the spirit realm. This is why we embrace the truth of God's word consistently we embrace the truth of god's word i'm so happy rebecca he said it's been a blessing to you you feel so pumped in the spirit hallelujah thank you jesus this is such i, I love such such testimonies you know um paul, paul lane says we have been greatly blessed apostle please be encouraged the devil is lying hallelujah thank you so much i'm so happy um to know that god is pouring into you you know, and so I, I am ready. You see the seven days, my notes is 22 pages. I'm ready to just pour. And I pray that God gives me the grace and God gives us all the grace to make this journey. I just believe really strongly that somebody's house and home and family and business is about to change. I believe that God is raising warriors after his heart. I believe that a Davidic people are rising up in the season. And, you know, I don't have a church. So this is not about, oh, you know, we are the people. You are not in my church. And some of you, I will never meet you. You know, so this is not about me or a brand. But I can tell you categorically that this is about the kingdom. God is actually in this season raising Davids. He's raising people who can war on one hand, but can build on the other hand. People who can erect structures for him can have strategy sessions, but at the same time, they know how to shed the blood of the enemy. They are wise. They understand how to deal with affairs. God is raising them. And I feel like this shift, not, not that I feel, I can sense this is what the Holy Spirit is doing, that this shift in September is so critical. I know many of us think we have gotten to the end of the year, but mark my words today, you are about to receive the greatest promotion of your life between September to December. There is high ranking positions that many of you are about to come into. And this is the reason why God is teaching you. Remember what I told you this morning that um, Samuel, after anointing Saul before the people, he then taught the people the ways of royalty. Go back and look for that scripture. It's in 1 Samuel 10. If anybody can find it, put it up on the chat box. And Samuel taught the people the way.
Okay, I hope you can hear me. My power went off, but I'm just going to keep speaking so you can see me again. And so it says, and Samuel taught the people the ways of royalty. Why was it important for him to teach them? It wasn't enough for Saul to be anointed. He had to learn what it looks like to be a king. And that's what I'm teaching you in these seven days. The mentality of kingship, the ways of royalty. You know, how do you steward authority? How do you move through the spirit realm? How do you move unhindered? And when Satan cannot shake you in the realm of the spirit, this is what you are being taught. And remember what I said this morning, it took a priest to teach God's kind of king. You know, so Saul was anointed by God. He wasn't like the kings of the other nations. So when we say we are kings and priests, our kingship is not like the kingship of humanity and other nations. It takes God for us to know what it's like to be kings. Um, and Kirsten, I said it is not because the Lord has anointed you over his inheritance. Um, um, Helen, thank you. We're almost there, but this is not the scripture. But in the scripture, after Samuel anointed him, he taught the people, you know, what the ways of royalty. And Samuel explained the behavior of royalty. Thank you, Zuri. First Samuel 10, um, 25. Then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book. Hallelujah. And laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent it, sent all it to all the sent all the people away, every man to his house. Did somebody read that scripture? It says Samuel taught them the behavior of royalty. I need somebody to say it to themselves. There's a behavior of royalty. Say it to yourself and then write it in the chat box. There's a way royals behave. If you have a friend that is your friend, when the person ascends the throne, look, there's no way you will not come back and testify after five months and say, ah, my friend has changed though. Why? Because there's a behavior of royalty. But it took a priest to teach the king and the people how to behave. The problem with many of us is that we are anointed, but our thrones are not secured because we have not mastered the behavior of royalty. And so a king can be rebelled against by the people when he is not acting out his kingship properly. So the people expect the king to present himself in a royal manner. So no matter how much you say, I'm a humble person, there's something the people don't even want you to do. And thank you for your humility, but we don't need that from you, O king. Be our king. And so in the realm of the spirit, there is a manner in which a person that is anointed, separated, to carry the people and to lead must behave. When you know that God has given you territories, when you know that God has given you authority, when you know that God has given you dominion, when you know God has called you to power, when you know God will use your head to fight the head of certain governmental systems, there are certain behaviors you don't have. Today, I will talk to you as we go on, as we get to a point, I'll talk to you about the attitude of a gatekeeper. Because when we are talking about gates, one of the things we'll talk about is gatekeepers. But let me move on real quickly because we have a bit to cover tonight. Now, first um, um, scripture I want us to write down is Matthew 16, verse 13 to 19. And this is a foundational scripture because tonight we're going to be looking at the keys of the kingdom. And then we will look at what gates mean. And then we will look at 
um, different kinds of access ways in the spirit. And then real quickly, I will teach you on eight spiritual components that make up an effective gate system. So this is what I want to cover tonight. Um, like I said to you, I'm ready for you. Jesus is ready for us. All of us together will enter because you see, when you're a leader that does not carry the people along with you, what you're going to have is either two things. You're going to have a people who worship you as though you are God because you you there's such a great distance between you and the people, or you're going to have a people who are envious and of you and angry at you because they cannot seem to be able to attain what you attain. But in the kingdom, we are brothers. We are of one fold, of one house, called by the same name. The only distance between me and you is revelation. So every time I'm insistent on teaching is because I want us to stand shoulder to shoulder. Joel chapter two describes our army. And it says that this army, they do not break their ranks. Everybody stands hand in hand. That, when we that, that is when we are able to overtake the plots of Satan. So I need you to be the person that I can call up at 2 a.m. If I am being harassed by Satan or I am troubled or I'm discouraged, I have to be able to call you. And to be sure that the words you will say to me will pull me out of any kind of dark confusion that I have. This is the reason why we are pouring. We are pouring. So tonight, let's quickly go to Matthew. And we will start from there. Because it's a foundational scripture for us as God's children and for us as the church. In Matthew 16, verse 13 to 19, it says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, Oh, my, my light is all over the place. Father, I just pray for this power in Jesus' name. Father, let it be stable. Stable in the name of Jesus. Stable in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, Matthew 16, verse, 19, verse 13 to 19. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? Now, I want to highlight something to you real quickly. Um, I haven't taken the time to study Caesarea Philippi or Philippi, but I, I believe that there is a reason why when Jesus came to the coast of this place, he asked his disciples. Now, these people were already Jesus's disciples. And I want to explain to you what discipleship looks like in that time, which really should be discipleship model. Now, in, in the time of the Jews, to be discipled or to have a rabbi that you follow, it meant that you were everything like him. So the way the rabbi walked was how the people walked. The way your rabbi stood was how you would stand. The way your rabbi eats is how the disciples ate. In fact, literally, the way they walked is literally where your rabbi puts his feet, the mark he makes in the sand, the people were expected to put their feet in the mark that the rabbi makes in the sand. So at the end of the day, you will see someone who is following a rabbi that, you know, stands like this naturally. But if the rabbi is hunched back and their head is like this, after the person follows the rabbi for one year, two years, you see the person hunched. Because in those days, a disciple was an exact image and an exact replica of his teacher. I hope you are following me. So you have to understand why they could look at Peter and say, you are one of his people. And why they call them Christians. 
Christ-like, Christ followers, Christ's people, because they were disciples of Jesus. So at some point, remember when they came to look for Jesus in Gethsemane, the Bible says that they could not identify him because when he stood with the disciples, even the way Jesus bends his head when he stands, all the 12 of them were like this. So they're like, which one of them? is Jesus of Nazareth. So you need to understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus. It means that when they look at you, they are not sure. Remember my dream when they sent a principality against me and they said, we cannot come against the great one because every time we look at her face, now I'm not saying that to say I'm perfect. In fact, I was was astonished after the dream to say, hey, you mean you see me like this? With the way I feel like I'm just a hustling believer. You mean in the realm of the spirit? I have even reached the, oh, rebaba sekete, you know. But I'm saying that to say, this is what discipleship looks like. That you are exact replica of the Lord and the teacher that you follow. I'm not saying men, because we don't follow, we follow men as they follow Jesus. You understand? So if you have a teacher or a rabbi or a pastor or an apostle you follow, you are not following their flaws, but you are following the image of Christ in them. You know, so that's what we should see you. If you take anything from them, let it be the Christ image that you take. Now, so here is Jesus. He came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi and he said to his disciples, so these guys already looked like him. These guys already sounded like him. And remember, they were already casting out demons. So remember, he sent out the 70. So even the 70, that is not the names we know, were already demon chasers. So that's why I say to people that no demon should be able to press your neck at night or bite you or harass you. Harass them. Check out what I'm saying. Harass them. Have a hard forehead. It does not matter. Even if it's only Psalm 23, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Stand it and shout it as though you are shouting one major scripture. Shout at the demon, the Lord is my shepherd. Let the demon be confused and think, ah, is it something else she's quoting? Do you get what I'm saying? Quoting it with your full chest. Because if the 70 that had not yet received salvation They had not yet received the blood of Jesus. They had not, the veil had not been torn. The 70, Jesus had not died on the cross, yet they went about casting out devils, let alone you. You that you have the fullness of heaven and he has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So you need to understand that you already have access to all of this. So you should be able to walk in that power. So here is his disciples. They look like him. They sound like him. They walk like him. They move like him. And they came to a certain coast. And Jesus asked them, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? You need to get it. So he describes himself. He defines himself. And he asks them, who am I? Why did he ask them at the coast of Caesarea Philippi? That means there are times when you journey with the Lord and you get to a certain coast in life. Jesus himself begins to provoke a holy inquisition on the inside of you. When many Christians get to that point, they feel like they are losing faith. They feel like they are backsliding. Why? Because what provokes this questioning is usually most times a painful situation. 
and you begin to say, you can feel the Holy Ghost questioning you. And you ask yourself, ah, ah, but I know God now, but how could God do this? How could he let this? How did this happen? How did that? Yes, it's not because you are losing your faith. It's actually because you're about to come into another level of understanding. If you saw this fly and you saw access, understanding the mystery of doors in the realm of the spirit, and you thought, oh, all these Christians with all these things, but you don't know what it means. There's a problem. So a true disciple of Jesus is a learner. A true disciple of Jesus is at peace with the questions the spirit asks. A true disciple of Jesus does not run away from a season or a situation that makes you question your depth in God. You don't run. You face it. So there are times when I get to places where I find an emotion inside me and I'm like, mm, what is this? I don't cover it up and say, you know, you know, no, 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 no. We're going to deal with it. So I ask myself, what is this? Why do I feel this way? And I get into prayer and I'm like, Holy Spirit, there's my heart, my heart. There's a, I feel like I, I, I still feel this way about this matter. But why? I thought that. What if? And then I start to pray. And then my spirit becomes like a journey, like a car. And I, I, as I pray, I feel like I'm moving the car to new terrains in the spirit realm. And, you know, and as I get to a point, I begin to pray. And I feel like turbo energy from the Holy Ghost enters into me. And something like a hard shell cracks and breaks. And that turbo energy is the energy of truth. Because in prayer, I begin to feel the Holy Ghost impressing a higher level of truth on the inside of me. And I come into a realization that my God, I am so lacking behind. But at the same time, my flesh feels like, oh, look at this truth. So great, but I don't know how to enter. So I don't stop there. I keep praying and I keep praying. And as I'm praying, and the next thing I hear myself start saying things like, I have capacity by the power of the Holy Spirit to carry every girl, God ordained burden. My back does not break. My head does not bow. I am wired by God to be able to carry every matter that he has placed on my table. Therefore, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I receive revelation to not only know, but to be what my office requires. I declare that I am a wide, expansive space in the realm of the Spirit. I am a great field of wisdom on the inside of me are all the different spiritual mechanisms that are needed to operate effectively in this life. I cannot be disgraced. I am not confused. I do not pull down my works with my own hands. I have wisdom from God. Therefore, I begin to command my spirit to expand at the speed of the Holy Ghost. Command my spirit to stretch and to run at the frequency of revelation. I say no part of me will be left behind in this journey. My soul, catch up quickly. My emotions, catch up quickly. My mind, catch up quickly. Anywhere inside of me where I was broken as a child or as a teenager or in my 20s, in my 30s, any part of me that is still small, that is fighting my ability, ability to enter my office, I say to that part of me, 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, what you lost in 10 years is restored in a moment of intercession. Now in the name of Jesus, I call on the God who is not bound but tied by time and space to enter into 20 years ago. Call the girl out of me to become a woman. Call the child to become a woman. Call that young girl that was bullied in school and laughed out about her weight. Call her into an, her, her apostleship. Now in the name of Jesus, every part of me is in order to fulfill my assignment. In the name of Jesus. Listen, <laughs> when I come out of those kind of prayers, I grow. I grow in one day, in 10 minutes, I grow the growth of five, 10 years. I grow because a time of question from the Lord is not a time of brokenness. It's not a time where fear is to enter your heart. Take every question to the feet of Jesus. Take everything that is making you question yourself. Turn it into an instrument of growth. Never lie about the questions in your soul. Never lie about them. Because there is a coast that you cross. And when you cross that coast, Jesus begins to ask you questions. And the reason why he's asking you is because he's about to give you keys. I need you to hear me. He's about to give you keys, keys to unlock territories, keys to open up sectors, keys to open places. The people that work with me, let me tell you, sometimes they don't know what to do with me. Am I their friend? Am I their enemy? Am I, they, you know, but I know that they love me and I love them. So we journey because there are some things I say to them. Oh, if they say, Pierre, it's not possible. We can't. I tried. I said, I know there's a phrase I always say to them. I say, listen, never carry God's work the way you carry your personal life and never evaluate the strength of a vision based on your personal strength. I say, the visions I carry for God, people of influence, mantle of Deborah, children of influence, listen, those visions are strong. I stand back and I look at them. I'm like, yay. When I see what the vision does, I'm like, wow. I am not fooled into thinking that I'm the same as the vision. Because the vision has got its own self-generating energy. It has got its own self-generating power. Listen, there are kings that ruled Israel, but Israel remained today. The kings are dead. The battles Israel won, he didn't win because of the kings. They won because they were Israel, the people of God. And so I tell them, I said, listen, if you feel stuck, leave your strength and call on the strength of the vision. I say, you will see that the vision has resources. The vision has partners. The vision has people. So when people fight me in ministry, I say, don't worry, fight me. Leave the vision. Because this is how we disgrace ourselves. You fight vision when you should be fighting the person. Because the vision will always prove itself to be God. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Why am I teaching you this? Because kings are embedded in all the God initiatives that he gives to you. They are keys. And when God begins to ask you questions, like he was asking them at the coast of Caesarea Philippi, it is because Jesus was about to hand them keys for the vision of the ecclesia. Are you still with me? Because the person he handed keys to, a couple of chapters later, denied him three times. Did he take the keys away? No. So when we talk about gates, 
and access, you need to understand that men are connected to it really strongly. But there is something about what I am that I am gives. It is established forevermore. So Jesus said to them, I am the son of man, but who do people say that I am? So it's almost as though he has answered the question he's asking them. But it takes a wise person, skilled in the art of revelation, to know when Jesus answers a question, but he has not really answered it. Do you understand? Have you ever experienced certain deliverances and you know that you have not yet been fully delivered? You, you experience a miracle, but you know it has not finished. You get an alert, but you know this is not the end of it. Do you understand? You get a promotion at work. Everybody's like, hey, oh my God. But you know that it is a truncated cycle. And even that promotion is a kind of distraction so that you don't further war for the true reward. I don't know if there's anybody with me that understands what I'm talking about. That understands what I'm talking about. You are your spouse, you have a fight, something happens. And one person says, oh yeah, sorry now, sorry now, let's just let it go. But you know, and this is not about forgive, unforgiveness. This is about, there are yet root causing agents. There's a virus that has not left this system. There's a mentality and a stronghold. And this thing we are saying, it's okay, it's okay. It's just a cover-up of the, the true matter on, underneath it all. For you to be a true disciple of God and for you to be a woman or a man of power and authority, for you to be a gatekeeper, you must know when it has not finished. When Jesus is just throwing you crumbs to pull you into deeper revelation. So he says to them, he says, Oh, you know, who is verse 14? And they said, some say, some say that you are John the Baptist. Some say Elias and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. They are telling him what people say. So many of us are so skilled at the opinions of men concerning God, concerning scriptures and concerning the spirit realm. Let me tell you. I know that people have said things like, oh, you know, I was being attacked. And then the next thing, some I said to the to the witch, I am the daughter of so, 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 so prophet. And the people, the witch said, yeah, fire, and left me. I know, I know, I know, I know. There are one of testimonies like that. But you see, the spirit term does not operate based on references. You can have a reference for deliverance, but you don't have reference for authority. It doesn't work for authority. Do you understand? Just because somebody says, yo, she's my church member, then God will not give you a rank in the spirit. It doesn't work like that. So you may know what people say. You may be able to quote people's encounters, but only your encounters can give only your experience of God and your revelation of who he is can give you the kind of dominion momentum that you need to push down satanic walls. I don't know if you get what I'm talking about tonight. Is somebody with me? Because I can feel in my spirit the Holy Ghost like just really like, ah. So I don't know if you're feeling the same thing I'm feeling, but the Holy Spirit is going somewhere with us tonight. Now, it is not by reference. Exactly. Thank you, Pastor Bambi. The seven sons of Skiva, they thought it was by reference. They thought our father is Skiva, the high priest. 
So we can cast out demons. The demons looked at them. You know, if I what the demon said, in the name of Jesus Christ, <laughs> whom Paul preached out, and the demon said, eh, Paul, we know. Jesus, we know. Who are you? Who are you? So I want you to ask yourself this question before we move on. Who am I? I know it sounds foolish. I know it sounds silly. But I need you to ask yourself. I am thankful for your wealth. I am grateful to God that you earn $30,000 every month. I'm happy for you. In fact, pay your tithes. After this message, pay your tithes. People of Influence Network, the account number is there. I'm happy for you. But guess what? Who are you in the spirit realm? What is said about you? Does your name shake demonic entities? When somebody is praying and the person says, ah, I need to go and talk to Pastor AC. Ah, does Satan start shaking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We must not let her get there. We must not let... Because he knows. At the moment the person gets there, the person is talking. Before five minutes, I'm like, no. But this and that and this and that. Who are you? I'm going to give you one minute to write down five things that you know you are in the realm of the spirit. Write it down as we are talking. Hallelujah. Right, right, right. Write it down, write it down. If you have a journal, if you have a book, wherever you are taking down your notes, write it. I am this. I am that. I am this. Write it down. Write down your spiritual CV. The one you are convicted about, not the last sermon your pastor preached. Stephanie, it's okay. Just write something. There must be a victory you have won in this life, Stephanie Oko. There must be one victory. You must have one story of overcoming. You understand? You must have at least one spiritual skill. Imagine going for an interview and they say, so what skills, what do you bring to this organization? I say, honestly, I don't think I bring anything. Even if it is the skill of entering boss, that you entered boss to get there, it's a skill. Write it down. I need you now. Your spiritual resume. Come on, come on, come on. Somebody do it. The Bible says, write the vision, make it plain. So that they that see it might run with it. The reason why some of you don't run in your spiritual race is because you don't write. Zuma, you are an intercessor. Write it. Mina, what does it mean to be a child of God? Write it beside it on your paper. I am a child of God. This means that... Write it in your paper. Are you with me, guys? Right, 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 right. Kerebo Shandalaba. Hey, hey. Oluchi says she's a gate. Oluchi, write what it means to be a gate. This means that I am the... Do you understand? Write it in your paper. Sharon says I am a gatekeeper. We'll get there, Sharon. So we'll know that you are really a gatekeeper. But write it. I love that you have said it. So El Elsa says she's a midwife. What does it mean to be a midwife? Write it in your paper. you get... Adeshola is a watchman. Watchman over what? Watchman over who? What is going on in the territories you've been called to watch? How are they faring? You understand? The builder, mercy, that is a builder, a masterpiece that puts up structures. I love it. You understand? Have you written it down? Doing says, I am the salt of the earth, the light of the world. What does that mean? You get, so as you write, I am the salt and I'm the light. Therefore, this means that I, this, and I, that. 
Do I have somebody who is a warrior? I am a warrior and I am gifted at navigating the spirit realm and pulling down deliverance for myself, for my family and for people. Is there any warrior in the house that knows how to navigate matters? You understand? So when they are giving you issue and people are shouting, you are like, mm, it is well. And then you pull out some solution. You give four point prayer agenda. You understand? Somebody says I'm a threshing board. Wow, wow, wow. Chantel, I want, I, I want to know what that means. So write it in your book. Come on, I love that psalmist. So what does it mean to be a psalmist chosen? Write it in your book. I am a psalmist. Therefore, I have the ability to connect physical instruments with spiritual energy to produce liberation for God's people. You understand what I'm talking about? Moye Primo, you say you are a healing warrior. Write it. So what does a healing warrior do? Who is a healing warrior? Ah, Obianuju, you say you're a Deborah. You are right up my alley. Oh. You, are, you have to explain yourself where, what it means to be a Deborah. Write it down. As you have written it down, I want you to put your hand on that paper, on that book. If you wrote it in your phone, put your hand on it. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Begin to shaka blast. Release tongues over it. Seal it up by the blood of Jesus. Declare over yourself. Begin to say this and more. I am by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ah! This and more I am by the power of the Holy Spirit. All the gifts, all the talent, all the callings, all the abilities on the inside of me. They are being stirred up by the fire of the Holy Ghost. I say to the warrior on the inside of me, you do not back down from warfare. You do not back down from warfare. When the enemy raises his head, it is your call to duty. When the enemy raises his head, it is your call to duty. Therefore, you are not afraid of the chance of war. You are not afraid of the tongues of Goliath. It stirs up something on the inside of you. Warfare brings out the best on the inside of me. Yes, you say you're an apostolic plumb line. So begin to say to yourself that you have the ability to have apostolic imagination where the eyes of men grow dim in sectors. You have the ability to see what should be done. Therefore, your voice must be heard. Make a way, craft a way for yourself in the spirit realm. He called does anybody have tongues? Does anybody have tongues? Does anybody have tongues? The kind of tongue that as you are praying it, you know what you are praying. You know that you are pushing something down. You know that you are massaging this identity into your spirit. Come on, I am not here to do business as usual. I am here as the midwife of God to push a woman, to push a man into his destiny because September is your jubilee. Enough of the torment in your life. Enough of the crisis in your soul. Come on, break out of it right now. Come on, fire! Fire of the Holy Ghost. Fire of the Holy Spirit. Fire from the throne of God. Fire 
let fire fall upon you to be a midwife in your house let fire come upon you to ordain your children to anoint your home to call fire upon your children how can your son be 16 years old and he does not have utterance in the realm of the spirit fire what is the demon? What is the power? What is the principality? Who is the altar that is greater than our God? Yes, that writer, begin to pray over what you have written. <laughs> that your words are fire. That when people read the things that you write, that their hearts begin to burn. Refuse to do anything normally from today. If you are a baker, write it down. That when you bake snacks, people eat it and their hearts are set on fire for God. Refuse. People can take the things they do to herbalists. And when people wear the clothes from their boutique, the people always want to come back to their boutique. Let alone you, that you have the Holy Ghost, that can permeate any kind of thing, any kind of fabric. The Bible says handkerchiefs were taken from the bodies of Paul and the apostles, and it will heal people in their absence. Ha ha! How can you have a service providing business that will not shake people? How can you sell food to people and they eat it and not want to fast. Hey. Consecrate everything, consecrate everything, consecrate everything to God. Begin to consecrate. It is a night of consecration. Deliberate shift in the spirit realm. Deliberate shift in the spirit realm. Is there anybody that is tired of being intimidated by hell? Tonight is your night. Let the cry of the lion proceed from the depth of your spirit. Yes, Lashanda, Mekoria, Laba, push, 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 push. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Come on, let's push it for two more minutes. Push it for two more minutes. Fill your house with the glory of God. Fill your house with the glory of God. If there is a witch that is masquerading as a nanny, today she must leave. Fill your business with the glory of God. Hey, hey. That accountant from hell that has been messing up your books and now you are about to be carried by EFCC. Come on, pray. Let the shifting anointing her. Let the, the yoke shifting her. The rock shifting anointing of God. Let it come upon everything that concerns me. Now, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Era Kalebashaya Babosha, Palemo In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Now declare with me, I shall not be intimidated into accepting an identity that comes from the pit of hell. I shall not be intimidated into accepting a position that comes from the pit of hell. I shall not 
be intimidated into accepting a family structure that comes from the pit of hell. I shall not be intimidated into accepting an economic state that comes from the pit of hell. I shall not be intimidated into accepting a health report that comes from the pit of hell. I shall not be intimidated into accepting a destiny report that comes from the pit of hell. I am everything that God says I am. I achieve everything that God allocated for me to achieve in this life. So God, I hope you are still declaring. So God, I give you the authority to shift anything you need to shift in my life. But do not let me miss my purpose. Ah, pray this prayer. God, I give you the right to break anything you need to break in my life. But Baba, please do not let me miss my purpose. When I was 20, 19, 21, we would go on the mountain to pray. My friend Doi is here. We were in the same church in university. And when we are there, middle of the night, prayer that starts at 8 p.m., 1 a.m. we are praying, 2 a.m. we are praying, 3 4 a.m., 5 we are still praying. You will pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. It is only your spirit that is praying. When you get to that point, then you begin to hear prayer points like, pray this prayer. Some of the prayer points, the English was not even correct. The English is just, yeah, it's there, but it does not matter because the spirit understands. And there was one prayer that never left me. I remember the pastor then said, now pray. Lord, this one life that I have, I must do your will. This one life that I have, I must serve your purpose. Pray. You know, we prayed this prayer point for two hours. This one life that I have, my God, it is your will. That prayer point touched me. I was 19, but I never forgot it. This singular life that I have, it is you I will use it for. I prayed it and prayed it and prayed it and prayed it and prayed it. The way we are getting tired around five, he began to say, Archbishop Benson in the Hossa, he traveled in prayer. Catherine Kuman traveled in prayer. Sweet Smith Rukos what? Traveled in prayer. I will travel in prayer. <laughs> These men did not enter into what they have by mistake. They entered it by traveling in prayer. Joanne, I'm not sure if you are trying to send a personal message or, um, but yeah. So they traveled in prayer. If they did, I will travel in prayer. Can I have some destiny warriors? When you are, you are looking at the way the enemy is moving, and you know he's coming for your future, you enter prayer. You understand what I'm talking about? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Travel in prayer. 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 This is who you are. Maybe you used to be on fire many years ago and you lost it. This is your time. I say travel in prayer. It works. I'm telling you, prayer works. 
prayer works. I am who I am today by the mercy of God. But this mercy I have discovered on my knees. Mercy is not just a feeling or a pardon. It is by mercy that I know what to pray for, how to pray it, and the capacity to receive answer. It is by mercy. So we must travel in prayer. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone that has pushed out themselves and have prayed tonight. Lord, answer them speedily in Jesus' name. Let us see tangible shifts. Let us see tangible reward. Let us see tangible movements in Jesus' name. Yes, knowing this is what you used to say, this one life that I have, let it count. Ah, do you know what that prayer is? I prayed it since then, and I've been praying it since then, since I was 19. Father, this one life that I have, let it count. Let me serve you with it. It must count for the kingdom. Hey. So when you see me today, you are so gifted. Hey, there's no gift that is without purpose, or there is no gift that is without merit. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Hey. And the merit for the gift is prayer. Intercession, consecration, and the word. Do you know what I'm saying? Eh? Let, let me not go where I'm not going. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Let us go back into our learning. So here is Jesus asking them questions. He says, so who do men say that I am? So I hope you've written. And don't forget this thing you wrote down today. He says, and who do you say? that I am. You see, when Peter was about to answer this question, I don't think Peter thought that answering the question was going to give him his next level of identity. But you see, this is the thing about revealed Jesus. The revelation of Christ gives you the revelation of self. When Jesus tells you about himself, it actually tells you about yourself. So he says, who do you say that I am? So they came to this coast of Caesarea Philippi. And when Jesus began to question them, I thought this, I'm sure they thought, ah, is he about to chase us? Is this another test? Ah, 2,000 have gone, 70 have gone. Now he wants to reduce the 12. Maybe it's only three that we remain. Hey, why is he asking this question? Hey, they did not know that it was for promotion. So these circumstances that are making you question things, is actually a setup for your next level of promotion. So as he said to them, but who do you say that I am? He says, and Peter answered. So I'm sure Peter was there, you know, thinking, who is he? He has already told us that he's the son of man. So if he's telling me he's the son of man, if I'm reading this Bible, and there's so much that I'm reading inside that he is, but yet I've entered a season of life where I am still being asked by him who he is. That means there is something that the text is saying that I'm not hearing, that he wants me to hear. I don't know if somebody caught that. So you're in a situation that is making you question God and question his identity. But if that is happening, it is actually because there is a dimension of God you are seeing, but you are not really seeing. So God has brought an adversity to crack your current lens so that as you are roaming around blind and in the frustration of blindness, you are forced to push for the next level of sight. You get what I'm saying? So when Jesus said, I am the son of man, 
but still said, who am I? He blinded them because it's like, okay, you said you are this, but you are saying, who are you? That means what I know you to be is not really who you are, or there's more to you. So when you reach a level in the spirit that it feels like you are becoming darkened, it is actually a call to the next and higher level of enlightenment that God has reserved for you. And as they got into this place, it says, and Peter answered, I pray for you in the name of the Lord Jesus, that you will know how to answer God in Jesus' name. Many of us think that all that God wants from us is to pray to him. But we don't know that our answers matter more than our requests. Write it down. My answers that I give to God matter more than the request I make to God. Let me tell you why. Your requests are limited by your needs. Your request, the vision of your request is narrowed by your need and, your, and what you desire. So it's a narrowed form of communication with God. But you see, your answers actually are much bigger because God asks you a question from eternity's perspective. So when you answer God in response to a question he's asking you, it is a much bigger place. So many of us are used to talking to God and having God tell us answers, but we are not used to God asking us questions because we think he's the all-knowing, all-sufficient. So a question that God could have just asked you audibly and you could have answered normally, but because we are so deaf and blind, blinded by who we think God is and the fact that God does not ask questions, he's the all-knowing now, why is he asking me questions? Because we don't know he asks, so he then has to ask us through experiences. So some experiences were not needed in our lives. If only we were more sensitive to the fact that God actually asks. So when he says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, not the door shall be open. It is a protocol that he has that he's handing over to us. God asks, God seeks, God knocks. And so the question is, did God need to set up an entire situation to be a knocking situation because you just could not hear a simple question he was asking. Are you with me? So I pray for you in the name of Jesus that you will know how to answer God. That you will know how to answer God. That you will not be afraid to answer God. The Bible says concerning Samuel. Ah, Samuel was consecrated and dedicated from his mother's womb. His, in fact, he came to this world by reason of a covenant and agreement that his mother made. This is the entire structure of Samuel's life, preordained, predestined, and pre-allocated to be a priest. Oh yes, Dennis, I'm coming for your edges. You have to buy a new wig when we're done today. He was already preordained to be a priest. You get it? And then he enters into the temple, which is the structure for his priesthood to manifest. And I need somebody to hear me. It is because this is a destiny conversation I'm having with you tonight. He entered into the temple that was the needed structure for his priesthood to manifest. This priesthood that was negotiated for before he was born. So Samuel is a literal son of the altar. You get what I'm saying? He's a seed of covenant. He's a son of divine conversation. Mm -hmm. So, but this son of divine conversation, mm -hmm. 
needed to be in the place for destiny manifestation. So many of us have had divine conversations, but we have not been repositioned for destiny manifestation. That's why some people, God will move them out of their jobs and send you to the hinterland so that you go and turn evangelist that your shoe is scraping on the floor. Somebody will look at you and say, hey, you that used to be bank MD, what has happened to you? Ah, ah, this one is not Satan, we make mess of you. It is Jehovah that has made mess of you. How, how did your life become like this? Because they don't understand. Divine conversations do not equate to divine manifestation. Many Christians are schooled and trained in divine conversations. We can sense them. When you hear them in a sermon, mm, powerful, you hear it in prophecy, you shake and you fall. But you never take it past conversation into the structures that enable manifestation. So the Bible says that after he was weaned of his mother's breast, he was taken to the temple. Some of you need to be weaned. The systems that God set up for you to be strengthened until he receives you into calling, you have clutched yourself, clung to that system. And you have said, ah, this is the only well hey this is the no come on break out of it break out of it when my three-year-old son comes on my breast now the way i slap his hand i said judah what is wrong with you you are theory remove your hand he'll be laughing he said but mommy you know i'm a funny boy i said this one is not humor take out your hand in jesus name it doesn't make sense anymore you are too old for this some of you need to be wind wind of the breast system the job that was meant to feed you for a season has now become your permanent place of residence. The nation that was meant to host you when all the male children below two years old were being killed. Can you leave Egypt and return to Jerusalem? The, 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 the friendship that was meant to keep you for a while. And now you have become strengthened by God. Break out of it and enter. Don't be loyal to the wrong things. There is a certain level of loyalty to human structures and systems and people that now becomes disloyalty to God. You get what I'm talking about? Do not be disloyal to your high calling. Ah, Do not be disloyal to your high calling. And so there came a point when after he had, his bones had become strong, he had taken enough milk, he had gotten enough revelation, gotten enough understanding. And then the mother left him and sent him back to the temple and put him in the temple and said, this is where you're supposed to be, my son. You were never really meant to be in my house. Samuel could have grown up in his mother's house, probably been a great cattle rearer, married his wife and... But Samuel would never have known what it would be like ah, to be the first judge, king of Israel. He would never have known what it meant to be the first priest that anoints the head of the first king over God's people. Come on. I hope somebody can hear me. Someone needs to be weaned off certain things. You need to be weaned off certain conversations. You need to be weaned off certain addictions. You need to be wind of certain people you need to be wind of certain complaints and when you get to a certain level of life break out of it it has served its purpose are you hearing me because when you don't win yourself off god will win it for you and it usually leaves you with pains and scars so there's no need for that you get what i'm saying so there are prayers you should pray and say god Show me what I need to be weaned off. 
Show me what I need to let go of. Don't only pray prayers like, God, give me destiny helpers. There are some destiny helpers that have expired. So they are no longer helping destiny. They have now become destiny troublers. Destiny discouragers. Destiny limiters. Because they have finished their purpose. Finished. So they no longer have the capacity to see the next level of your life. Now they are fighting the very thing that they gave themselves to build. And then sometimes the babies are the problem because the destiny helper can tell that their time is over and they are trying to kick you out into the field and Samuel is still drawing his mother's shirt and say, mom, don't leave me. Oh. And then Samuel spends his first two years in the temple talking about his mother. And they say, oh, wow, your mother is such a holy woman. She brought you, don't mind her. She's not like that. A woman that can abandon her child. People don't know what that woman did to me. Hey, God. Let me tell you, he could have wasted his first two, three, five years in the temple. And then another woman that has eyes we see, this one too cannot serve after Eli. Then she will pray. And while Samuel is there still talking about Hannah, Hannah abandoned him, Hannah left him, Hannah did not even look back they will give birth to another child. His name will not be Muelsa, almost like Samuel. But this time, this one will be holier and stronger before his very eyes. Because you know what? In the kingdom of God, there's a replacement plan. Write it down. God's hands can never be tied. Do you remember what his name is? Elohim. Elolam. The God that has, that is constantly he keeps the will of eternity in place. He's the balance of all creation. God's hands can never be tied. There is always a replacement plan in the kingdom. So there are prayers you should pray that are needed. God, help me not to miss it. Make me wise. I said to somebody, somebody was talking to me on the PI, you know, my husband, this one, this, I said, hey, see, there's none of us that does not have husband problem. And I don't think there's any man that does not have wife problem. But let me help you explain, understand something. You must understand that by reason of the fall, the wife plus the husband is configured in brokenness, frustrate each other's call. That is part of the problem with the fall. It's God said to the woman, be warned. Because of what has happened, your desire shall be for the man only. What does that mean? No matter what else you are called to do, even if an angel appears in your room and says, ah, Martha, 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 and the angel is flapping his wing and says, you are called by God. You will carry the nations. You will be the next president of America. And Martha falls on the floor. <laughs> There's a matter here. This word is for you. Our master falls on the floor. Hey, God, I will do your will. And has this powerful encounter with God. What God was saying to Eve was that, Martha, no matter the encounter you have, your desire, just know that in this falling, broken state, there is something that is now in the woman that is a weakness. That even that encounter can never be encouraging to her enough as much as her husband saying, wow, Martha, you can do it. You are powerful. The day the husband says, oh, look at you. Who do you think you are? You are nothing. You cannot even fulfill anything for God. You think you can preach the gospel. Nobody will listen to you. You this bush housewife. Hey, everything inside matter will crumble. 
The next thing you will see, Martha will say, you know, I don't think I've really called. You know, Pierre, I just, I just feel like I'm in a season of life where I just feel like God is calling me to stand back. I just feel like God is calling me more to like private fellowship. Martha will begin to speak English, Christianese. You understand? On top of each other. So God said, be warned. This is the consequence of the fall. Your desire shall be for man. Go to shake your body. I don't know if you're a Nigerian here, you can understand what I'm saying. When it's man matter, you'll be like, he says, now the other problem is that for the man, you also, you will desire to rule over her. God never made Adam and Eve to rule over each other. He made them to work together and Eve to give him his honor as the head. Not that he rules. We are meant to rule over the earth, not over each other. Are we together? So he says that there's now something that has entered the man also. That he also wants to, without me, you are not saying, look at my voice is the voice of Elohim himself. Uncle, be careful. So I say to people, and they're like, hey, you know, P, I, I, I say, listen, as long as we're in this flesh and we are all not, not yet arrived at the fullness of our recreated spirit, we have not yet arrived at manifesting it fully. We will frustrate each other as husband and wife. I say, but keep your eyes on the goal. Keep moving in the direction of your call. Now, Samuel was a product of divine conversation. But for him to enter manifestation, he needed a temple structure. And then he is in the temple structure. And while he's there, he also had to learn how to light the lamps. And stay with me, we are on the conversation Jesus had with his disciples. How to light the lamp, how to burn the incense, all of that, he's been taught, he's learning. And then the Bible says that one day, one day God calls to Samuel. And Samuel went to Eli and said, hey, you're calling me? He said, no. He went back, came back again and he said, no, I didn't call you. And he came back the third time. And the Bible says at this point, Samuel figured out it was God calling him. And Samuel said to him, the next time he calls, say to him, here am I, Lord, speak. Why have I said this to you? I was teaching you about how to answer God. The Bible recorded that Samuel did not know it was the Lord. And he did not know how to answer because he had not yet been schooled in the voice of God. Are we together? And we say schooling in the voice of God. And so for many of us, like I said, your answer is big. Because from that day that Samuel answered right, Samuel entered into his priesthood fully. Samuel began to enter his office. He began to learn a handover process began between Eli and Samuel. There are some answers you will give to God that is what we jumpstart the handover that you need to be who you are called to be. The reason why God needs some generations to last long is because the next generation is not yet answering properly. Are you with me? The reason why some of you have not yet been promoted is because you are not yet answering right. So you cannot yet be trusted. With the next level of wealth, God tells you now, if I give you one billion naira or one billion dollars, what would you do with it? 
you the way you have answered God, ah, hey God, you know, private jet, this one. Nothing inside your plan is kingdom. As a matter of fact, you will tell God and say, yeah, if you give me $1 billion, I think maybe I'll give the church, maybe I'll just give my pastor like $10,000. And then, so it is in the answer, you see the size of a person's mind. And so God is like, I'll give you $1 billion. Then you will give PI that will be teaching you everything morning to night. You give her $10,000. Angels, please, keep it from her from the next 10 years. She's not ready. Your answers determine the size of your heart. Your answers determine your readiness to carry God's agenda. Your answers. So what was Jesus doing by asking them, who do men say that I am? And who do you say that I am? He was looking out for <laughs> Kate, you try, you try, you try. Thank you. God will bless you. <laughs> he was looking out for their answers. And the Bible says that, Lizzie, God will bless you and give you that $1 billion in Jesus' name. And the Bible says that Peter answered and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Who did Jesus say he was in verse 13? He says, I am the son of man. Hey, but when Peter answered him, he said, nah, you're not just the son of man. You are the son of the living God. Have you seen where it is a person that comes to shift the identity of God before his brethren? That's where you're supposed to be. Where even if Jesus is meeting your friends on a certain level, because of what they can bear, you, you will come and you will answer. And you say no. Even if God has never introduced himself as that to a generation, you, by reason of your inward pursuit, your pursuit of truth, you will reintroduce God to the generation. It's almost like you're introducing God to himself, but you are not really. It's actually him introducing you to him, but allowing you to be the one to say it to him. Because the man that answers is the one that gets the keys. Are you with me? The one that answers is the one that gets the keys. But it is not just the keys. Something happens to you the moment you answer. Because we're on the topic of access. We're on the topic of access and gates in the spirit realm. If you go to verse 17, it says, and Jesus, after Peter answered, Jesus answered. Hey, look, when God was about to change um, Job's life, what did he do? He called him. He said, Job, sit up. I want you to answer me now like a man. You have mouth to complain, but now answer as it pertains to eternal things. He says, where were you? When I was measuring the heavens, did you assist me in building the foundation for the world? Please tell me where the lightning comes from. Answer me, man, now like a man. Job was looking. By the time God, God insisted, Job, you must answer. Now, if you watch that thing, you will think God was intimidating or bullying Job. No. The fact that God released a holy, ancient conversation over Job, it means that God was pulling Job into an ancient anointing and authority in the spirit realm. Because what had come against Job was an ancient principality called Lucifer. And so for Job to break out of the accusation of Lucifer, Job needed to go into a 
place in God that is before the earth and before Lucifer could say anything about humanity. So God pulled him in and began to speak to him about things, about the morning stars, began to speak to him about the angelic host. He says, Job, answer. And God was not going to let him go until he said something. And Job said, ah, whoa, how did I not see this? How did I not know this? My God, have mercy. I have misunderstood you, misevaluated you. It was in that place that God now healed Job, restored him and said, but not for only you. Now offer up a sacrifice. Build an altar for your friends. Open up a gate of access because the revelation you have received is the key that opens the door of the manifestation of that revelation onto a generation. So he says, now that you know this thing you know about me, now go and raise an altar so that it becomes a point through which this revelation of who I am as God can now come into the lives of your friends and their children and their families. So what was the purpose of Job's suffering? That Job may become the next level of answer for a generation. Some of you, you have fought the greatest question of your life. You have been fighting the greatest inquiry that heaven has passed to you without knowing that God does not only want to answer your questions. God needs you to become the answer because the man that answers becomes the answer that is a holy altar by which another generation comes into that liberty of God. Come on, if you understand what I'm saying, just type here, I am with you. I get it. I see it. I hear it. I know what you are talking about. You understand what I'm saying? So it is not time to run away. It is time to stand. It is time for you to answer. Don't only ask God, God, answer me. God, answer me. Now God is asking you questions. You answer. What is your revelation concerning the situation? So Peter said, Abita said to him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Do you think Jesus does not know who he is? Of course, Jesus knows who he is. His identity is not in question. But do you know his identity? It says you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, unto him, blessed are thou, Simon Bajona. The answer you need to break you out of generational problem. The answer you need to break you out of one demon coming to have sex with you every night. The answer you need to break you out of perpetual failure. The answer you need to break you out of your business is failing every time. The answer you need to break that your family out of that cycle when every firstborn son never amounts to anything. The answer you need is in the way you answer God. Because you see that trouble is questioning you. And the more you leave the questions of the demonic, you now accept it and it becomes a culture that you pass to another generation. Because you see, culture is being shaped and reshaped through generations. Because each generation adjusts, keeps adjusting itself to accommodate the brokenness that the previous generation never dealt with. And so after three generations, they have so adjusted that the culture just gets stronger and stronger and stronger till nobody's questioning it anymore. 
So the only way God can break the chain is to now cause trouble. Where you now begin to say, but mommy, tell me, your mother's marriage did not work. Your own did not work. My own is about to fail. Why? Why? You see that why? You are the one that will answer it. And as you answer it before the Lord, but what do you answer it with? You answer it with the revelation of Jesus. You begin to say to that situation every day, marriage is a covenant. Marriage is a covenant. It is one of the most powerful tools given by God. And my body and my soul does not reject power. I do not reject blessings. Therefore, I do not reject marriage. That thing inside of me and my DNA and my family line that rejects God's goodness, that comes to the power of unity, I declare that it is not mine because Jesus has said that anyone that is born again is brand new, is made a new man. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, I am calling on the power of my recreated life. You must answer. Anything you do not answer, becomes an idol that your children have to deal with in their time. Is somebody with me? You must say to yourself, I must answer. I must answer. I will answer. And I will answer by the blood. Are you with me? Because access comes to those who answer. And I will answer. Because it is when you answer that Jesus answers. You get what I'm saying? When you answer, Jesus then answers. And revelation starts flowing. It says that then Jesus answered and said, Blessed are thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. There are some examples I want to share, and I don't even know how to share them. Do you know that every time Maybe somebody I'm trying my best for as a minister and I'm pouring into and I, I like people who know me know that I say that my, my proof of love is truth or open conversations. So I always want to say, you know, this is this, this is that or pouring the truth of God's word. I'm not really great at pity parties as is one of my weaknesses. As the thing is happening, my head is calculating what's the solution by the blood, you know, so. I, I listen, but I'm like, oh yeah, what's the next move? Let's set up a group. Let's do this. Let's do that. I'm a solutions-driven friend. Now, over the years, I found out that not everybody, it's not like that really, even in mentoring. So for everybody that walks away from you as a pastor, as a leader, as a teacher, is leaving a question inside you. Am I good enough? Am I doing enough? Maybe I'm not really that nice. Maybe I'm not so great. Maybe I'm this. Perhaps I'm not really called for this. For every time you try to do God's work and money is not coming, there's nothing that asks questions more than money. Do you know that? Money. Hey, anyway. And you know, people say, but all these pastors preaching money, listen, the love of money is the root of evil. But not that word, when you check that word for money, it's not actually cash as we know it is the love of like the the hebrew word the, the the um word for it is shiny things glittering things so the love of things that 
it's like catching your eye, you know, ah, you want to appear great, you want to, hey, the love of shine, shine, the love of, you know, publicity, greatness, you know, being the hype, and, you know, you want, you know, you want to wear shoes that are, everybody must know you've become, it says, is the root of evil, the love of shining things. So it is not the money that answers all things that the Bible was talking about. But I'm telling you that money that answers all things is always asking questions. When you don't have it, that means it's, there's no answers in your life because money answers. So when you don't have money, that means you have a lot of questions in your life. I don't know if anybody's following me. So when you don't have money, you are a man filled with questions. So for every time that I try to do something for God and I don't have the finance to take care of it, and I'm in question, is this really God? Am I sure the hand of the Lord is upon it? Am I building right? Can I really get this done? Am I called? Do I have what it takes? When you go through a season of multiple questions, it is exhausting. And you want to give up. But I always answer the enemy. And the way that I answer discouragement is that I get up and go again. That's how I answer discouragement. I move again. So I tell Satan that you now you go tired. After a while, you will just tell her, let's not waste our resources on her. This one, she will never back down. She will never back down. Don't worry, let's forget it. Forget it. Just leave her alone. Just check. Who else can we touch? As for her, just leave it. Always answer. Check out what I'm saying. Always answer. And if God gives you ideas, and when we talk about the gate of finances, enter it. Because money answers. Are you hearing me? There are certain questions that you need in life, but not the question of finances. It's not necessary. There's no need for it. So he said that. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are thou, Samuel by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And so what this means is that flesh and blood reveals. Are you with me? It says flesh and blood is not the one that revealed this one to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So that means flesh and blood has got the power to reveal. And the Father in heaven has also got the power to reveal. So for every time you find yourself at a junction in life, for every time you find yourself, you are either standing at the gate of flesh and blood or you are standing at the gate of your heavenly father. The gate of flesh and blood will only lead you into the things that are possible only by flesh and blood. But the gates of the father will lead you into the things that are possible by the resources of the father. I hope somebody is catching what I'm saying. Now, what does the gate of flesh and blood look like? It looks like saying, oh, you are a black person in America, so you can never head XYZ Corporation. That's a gate of flesh and blood. So many people are stuck at the gate of flesh and blood. Generations are stuck at the gate of flesh and blood. The gate of flesh and blood looks like feminism. You know, women are not going to take their place. They don't want women to take their place. We are going to take our place. Everybody needs to let a woman be this or this or no woman is controlled by a man. No, hey, auntie, calm down. Make we use that energy to fight Satan. Don't be stuck at the gate of flesh and blood. If you go to the gate of flesh and blood, a lot of people are there. Pushing the gates daily, exiting and entering the gates daily. They are there. 
Flesh and blood tells you until you finish like this, do this, get this degree, get that degree, do this, do this. You can never amount to this. Flesh and blood tells you that when you enter a nation, you relocate to the nation, then this and this, before this, then you get your green card or you get your permanent residence, then you this, then you cannot become. Hey, please, do not get stuck at the gate of flesh and blood. Do not get stuck at the processes of flesh and blood. Jesus is coming soon. We don't have time to wait on the protocols of men. We don't have time to wait for the, for the process of men. We need another ladder that comes from heaven. Another ladder that is more effective than the path of humanity. Is somebody with me? So he says to him, Simon, this response you have given, you did not allow yourself stay with, okay, let's define him. Okay, what are we saying? Yeah, I'm sure some people have said, Jesus, but I think you are a nice guy. You know, I just think like you are the kind of person that like you're a faithful friend. You know, I just kind of feel like you're a humble person. You know, some would have said, you know, God, I kind of feel like you are, Jesus, you are like someone that really has favor. Flesh and blood answer. Peter looked at him and said, nah. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, I know where that answer has come from. It has come from my father that is in heaven. You have opened a gate, Peter. You've opened a gate. He says, and I say unto you that even though you are Peter, small rock, but upon this boulder of revelation, I will build my church. And the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. So if the gate of hell is coming after the church, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. Because gates are must be founded on something. So he says, the rock of revelation is where I will establish my church that is a gate. And there's a war of gates going on. He says, but the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But the foundation of the church is revelation. Write it down. The foundation of the church is revelation. Not fleshly revelation. And so to, to, to worship it's the, the sound. I'm not saying these things are not good. They are great. But it's the sound. It's the smoke machine. It's the light. It's the key. It's, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the melody. It's the, and then you say, ah, oh, the worship was so powerful. But was it really powerful? Or was it expert flesh and blood? What about if there is no keyboard? What about if there is no light? There is no sound? Have you ever heard the voices of people, children singing in villages before? Have you ever heard them singing, Praise the Lord, oh sing, oh sing, oh. Praise the praises, holy name, oh sing, oh sing, oh. Praise the Lord. Singing it in the dead of the night, no lights, no sound, no keyboard, but it is piercing the atmosphere. The glory of God comes upon them. Some at some point they start to clap. Praise the Lord, oh single, oh, single. Praise the presence, holy name, oh single. People are screaming. Village revival. It's not flesh and blood. It's not flesh and blood. 
the revelation of who Jesus is, the revelation of what God can do. It is the church is built and solid and the influence of the church is only when the church has revelation. Fight men, but never fight the spirit of revelation and work within them because anything you abuse, you will never have. I need you to understand. The reason why I don't joke with my friends that are ministers is because I understand how kingdom works. The Holy Ghost never gravitates towards an abuser. Never. So you find out that the people that believe they know the most about what the church should do, who the church should be, who pastor is right, who they never carry power. Sometimes just sit back and tell yourself, I am not the Holy Ghost. I am not God. I am not his assistant. The church belongs to him. If he's not fighting, who am I to fight? Do you understand what I'm talking about? I and my son, we were reading the Bible about when the man that lied came to meet David and said, ah, look at Saul's sword or so, or Saul's armor. He says, ah, because when I saw him on the mountains, he was almost dying and he asked me to kill him because I saw he was almost dying. I, I thought to have mercy and I killed him. He thought that David was going to give him a reward. David first took time. He told his shoulders, hold him. Then David wept and wept and wept and wept and wept and wept. Ha! I'm sure the man was looking and thinking, hey, why is he crying now? She's his enemy. Why is he crying now? Ha! I thought I brought him good news because the man does not understand the way of the spirit. Because that guy did not understand how the spirit realm works. Ah! David knew that if he was going to be king, David knew that if he was going to have the hand of God upon him, he could not be part of anything that injured God's governmental structure. If not, the host of heaven will walk away from him because God is not necessarily seen, but God is experienced through his structures he puts in place. So when you abuse God's structure, you are abusing God. Somebody, one minister I was dealing with recently was talking to me and pretty much trying to say they could not submit to the internal structure I put in place in my ministry. And I told the person, I said, fair enough, I'll meet you where you are at. I said, but let me just help you understand something. Some things will not change. I said, see this leader is going to be this leader. Except Jesus says I should remove this person from that position. I said, I don't have to believe that the person really knows what they are doing. My responsibility is to point to them, nurture them, train them, empower them to do what God has called them to do. I said, so if you abuse the person, you are indirectly insulting me and Jesus. I said, for that reason, I cannot hear anything you are saying. It's that simple. Even my nanny, I will not allow a stranger insult her. My driver, you cannot come to my home. It is not happening. You may tell me that, oh, look at what they've done, but you cannot take it upon yourself. I come, you tell me you slapped my chef. You might as well slap me. I don't know if somebody is following me. In the same way, the host of heaven can never gravitate towards a person that does not respect God's structure. So you cannot open a gate that you dishonor. Even if you have the key, you will never know how to you because the key is not just a physical thing. The key is what I'm telling you now. It's revelation. 
How does the spirit realm work? What do the gates respond to? This is what I'm teaching you. If you go to Psalm 24, before he said, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. Before he began to say that, he began to say, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands, pure hearts, has not lifted up his soul to any idol, neither has he sworn deceitfully. This is Jacob, the generation of day that seek your face. He began to speak about the qualification you need to be able to command a gate to lift its head. Why did he say lift up your head, O ye gates? Because the gates have heads. They are entities, they are beings. So when I tell you the revelation unveiling the power of gates in the spirit realm, I am telling you unveiling the power of the beings that man territories in the realm of the spirit. Lift up your head, O ye gates. So the gates will look and say, who is commanding me? Does he look like the king of glory? Has he purged himself, washed his hand? Has he purged his lips? Has he cleansed his heart? For him to be able to tell me, raise my head. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? Head speaks about authority. Head speaks about power. Head speaks about rulership. You cannot tell an authority and a power what it means to raise your head. If the gate's head was down, that means the gate was shut. But to raise his head is that it now sees who is coming. So for you to get authorities and powers to see you enough to want to give you entrance, you must first have clean hands, pure hearts, no idolatry inside of you. Neither do you say what you do not mean. Are you with me? These four things qualify you to command gates. They qualify you to command gates. But the church first of all, is built on revelation. It says, when you build yourself on revelation, then the gates of hell do not prevail against you. It says, I will give unto you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whosoever and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Why did he not say whatsoever you shall lose in heaven shall be loosed on earth? And whatsoever you shall bound in heaven shall be bound on earth. Why did it not say whatsoever? Why did it say whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven? Because your authority as man is first here. This is your jurisdiction. This is your territory of rulership. So you get power from heaven, but you are appointed to rule on earth. So if you're an ambassador, you get power from the United States of America, but you are appointed to be an ambassador in maybe Nigeria. And so whatsoever you bound in Nigeria shall be bound in America. You don't go as an ambassador of America to Nigeria and start to bind in America. You don't do that. So you have power from America, but power to operate in the territory of Nigeria. Is somebody with me? That's why you have to understand how the spirit realm works. Now, the ladder that Jacob saw 
in Genesis, I think 28, it says the Bible says that the ladder, he saw angels ascending and descending. It didn't say angels descending and ascending. It, it was the ascending angels that provoked the descending angels. So, but what caused the angels to ascend? It is the angels that were already stationed here on earth, but they don't move until a man raises an active altar that determines or forces or causes the angelic host to ascend, to go get answers and come down. So there is a controlling power that those of us resident on earth have. There is a controlling power you have that is very active here on earth. That is why when altars are built and altars are raised as a form of, um, um, of opening gates, the altars are built here on earth. And so it is the altars that are built here on earth that open gates in heaven. You need to understand how this works. So when you consecrate yourself as a believer, and you separate yourself here on earth, you are provoking a response from heaven. So Peter got an answer from God who is in heaven, but that answer did not translate into a blessing until Peter here on earth said. So there is something about the man on earth. There is something about the territory of earth that has an ability to provoke responses in heaven. But you need to understand the structure, God's governing structures. There is something powerful about the things you do. The positions you take here on earth. They have the ability to shift heaven. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I should teach. Yeah, Lord, teach us to build our altars. Fantastic. Remember that woman that offered the oil that washed Jesus' feet? She broke the alabaster box. The Bible says, Jesus says that this thing that she has done is going to be a memorial. You need to understand what I'm talking about. That woman was opening a gate in the spirit realm. Apart from the fact that she was anointing him for his death and burial, which was very prophetic. But that woman broke open something in the realm of the spirit that made it a path for Jesus to walk into, made it possible for Jesus to enter into the next phase of his ministry. Simple actions on earth are powerful movements in heaven. Simple actions. The Bible says that the lepers are the gates. <laughs> that these guys said to themselves, what should we do? If we enter into the city, they will not take us. Maybe we should go to the camp of the enemy and see perhaps. Nobody in those days used to take mercy on lepers. Lepers were disdained and they were to be nowhere near the people. If your own people, where your father and your mother dwell, could not have mercy on you, of course you know the enemy will not have mercy on you. So those lepers were actually saying maybe a miracle such as has never been seen before will happen if we move. You need to get it. They were standing at the gates. There were people who were well, who were whole, who had leg and hand and no sickness, that were manning the gates, but they were not the gatekeepers. 
it took lepers because it is every power in the spirit is activated by revelation. And revelation is governed by the possibilities in God. Write it down. So it takes a person to know what is possible in God for it to be termed revelation. So there are all kinds of shenanigans I hear from some places. Sometimes I just hear some messages. I'm like, prove it now in the Bible. So if it is not biblically based, it is not a revelation from God. It sounds good to the flesh, but it is not founded on the possibilities in God. Now, so there were people who held their spears and their guns on that wall that were guarding the wall. If you look through the physical realm, you will call them the gatekeepers. But there were men who were lepers standing at that same wall. They were the only ones that knew that it is possible for this thing to change. Listen, it does not matter what you are wearing, who you are. Do you know, look, ministry is one place that I love because ministry and anointing makes a mess of the pride of men. You will see people who, big, big suits and big money, when trouble hits them, they have no reason to ask, tell a pastor, please pray for me. Because there's a place they get to, they know that you see all this, my light, sound and action cannot save me. The pastor probably did not go to school. His English is not even correct, but you cannot deny he touches something. Why? Because gates do not respond to your educational qualifications. They do not respond to your human hierarchical structures. Gates respond to revelation. Are you with me? So when anointing comes upon some people, it humbles you. You know, someone said, someone said to me, he said, we saw the article on you on business day. And we were like, you see this God, this woman said that some of us have labored and labored, climbed the corporate ladder, worn the corporate suits, done the corporate politics. Everything possible so that one day they'll put us on business day and talk about, you know, the, the, the conglomerate of this. So I said, you, you, are, you are making a mess of our minds. Because honestly, if we think about it, really, P, I really. I said, but I do all that things now. I don't only preach. He said, yes, but you are not using sweat and blood like us in the corporate world. You are still finding time to be doing mantle of Deborah, jump up and down. And when the anointing that is a product of revelation comes upon a person, you can never be able to add up the things in their lives. Because there comes a point where you so receive every revelation that God is bringing that you become the gate of God in every sphere that God reveals to you. I'm telling you. In the physical, the men with the swords looked like the ones that had the power. But in the spirit, the lepers who believed that God could save the land were the ones with the power. The Bible says that as these lepers were moving, the enemies had a mighty army running towards them. I need you to understand what that means. It says, as these lepers were moving, dragging their leg, you know how lepers move? Their, their hands are 
it's in their faces are so lepers can't walk properly like you and I except the leprosy has not really kicked in but leprosy that has really kicked in this is how they move you know they can't even walk properly so in the physical you look like that people are looking at you and saying mm, well let's just see where this thing will go you know does it sometimes I don't want to talk about it because his life just looks like so you're like this <laughs> you're moving but in the spirit realm that leak to action is provoking a major movement in the realm of the spirit. The fact that you dared, you dared to believe that everything that God says is true. You dared to believe it. Hey, the angels look at you every time you are passing, they do this. When you get up to pee at night, that you think that the, the room is dark, nobody is there. As you get up to pee, the angels stand, yes, sir, yes, sir. And you go to pee your pee, you come back. Yes, sir. Anything, sir. Well, you go back to sleep. Okay, they just stand there. Okay, nothing, no come, no further command. As you are. Your little actions provoke mighty things in the heavenly realm. So don't be a person that is flesh heavy and spirit light. Don't be like that. Flesh heavy, spirit light. You know everybody in uh, Canada. Any connection, you have it. Any room you can enter, every show you can get in. Ah, ah, you are, ah, ah, you are flesh heavy, spirit lights. Don't be like that, because the only things you'll be moving in that case are the things that flesh and blood can move. You don't shake anything in the heavens. But the topic of gates and the topic of access is about the realm of the spirit. It's about eternal things. It's about the life to come. It's about the, the, the world to come. That is what this topic is about. So I am moving you away and I am aggressively harassing everything you were taught from nursery one to your PhD level. I am aggressively harassing everything that has stolen the, the mindset of royalty from you. I am teaching you like Samuel did to the people, the behavior of royalty. Your degrees are good. Your achievements are great. I respect them. But there is a way that a king talks that you are not yet talking like. There's a way a king addresses matter. And you are not yet addressing things like that. Kings are deep. Kings meditate. Kings never answer from the surface. Kings are not satisfied with lightness. Kings do not think that a thing that is being said is as it is. Kings do not listen to their servants talk about death. There's a behavior of kingship. You are taken to, you are on every blog. Every gossip is at your fingertip. What does it do for you, O king? Where the word of a king is, there is power. Not where the word of a gossip is. Not where the word of a rumor is. So the words you are hearing are the words that have power. If not, that means they are drawing you into the level of their operation. You must mark what you hear. You must mark who you ask for counsel because only a king can give you a counsel that will give you power. So just because a person is rich and successful doesn't mean the person is your mentor. There are people that pay me thousands of dollars to coach them. And they are, they are big people in the world. 
So one day my husband looked at me and said, what are, they, what are you even saying to these people? What, what, what are they paying you to say to them? I said, my husband, a prophet is without honor in her hometown. Because they understand that you can be anointed to be a king, but you need a prophet to teach you the ways of royalty. Money, wealth, and promotion in your office is not the same as being a royal. How is your money going to answer your child? When a demon comes from him in the night and he is convulsing and blood is coming from his nose, is 911 the first answer? Or is there an answer inside you? You may be the person that you were typing a bid, doing a contract to 3 a.m., then 4 a.m., after you just left for one hour, 4 a.m., they are shouting, mommy, 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 come and see. How will you answer? You will answer, Bekonde, stop now in the name of Jesus. It is not money that teaches you to do that. It is not Harvard certification that teaches you to do that. To shut gates and open doors of healing. It takes the Holy Spirit and revelation. Somebody with me. Somebody with me. Kalimba Rosaribakadika say. Vandubale Katumbre Igede. To teach you the ways of royalty. To teach you the response of a king. Samuel. Message Pastor Stephanie to get, get my number. The ways of a king, the ways of a king, the ways of a king. A king does not make friends because of how much they have. Let me tell you, I love people. I make new people. But you see my old circle, I don't joke with them. Except you leave me, I don't leave you. That's how I am. Except you decide that this peer, I've thought about it. You see, it's not my person. To God be your glory. But I love my people. You know why? Because it is the quality of your spirit, the quality of your heart that I'm after. I don't like wicked people. I don't like kids. I don't like people who don't know how to have mercy. I don't like people who just, you just judge. They just tell you that, Kachi wants to kill you because you saw a knife in Kachi's hand. You just believe he's a murderer. How about if Kachi was going to cut onions? Do you get what I'm saying? Can we consider many options? You know, so I like, I love people with quality hearts, quality soul, quality mind that will not lead me astray, that will help me organize my thoughts. Bold enough to say, eh, but what if it's not like that now, P.I.? You leave me going to bed wanting to pray for myself when I see how good you are. Do you understand what I'm saying? When I see how kind you are, when I see how true you are, not because you are looking for a pulpit, not because you are, no, 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 no. You just love. I see that you are a warrior despite everything you've gone through. See the way you are still fighting and pushing. The day I mess up, I see the amount of grace that you leave for me. Ah, it's for life, oh. Only if you leave me, I'm not leaving you. I don't make friends because of money. Like I like the ones that have, oh, it's good. That's why I pray for my friends every day. Pray, I pray for God. I don't want friends that I'll say, ah, I'm looking for one million dollars. If friend will say, mm -hmm. as I'm here, even if it's one naira, I have. Friend, be careful. So if you are my friend and you're on this live, ele son komi. Shamra in the name of Jesus, be wealthy. You know, so, but it's not about the money. 
Because royalty, I have seen people who have, but they are poor. Do you understand what I'm saying? They are poor. Their hearts are poor. Souls are poor. Minds are poor. Spirits are poor. Evelyn, do I know you? Which Evelyn is this? <laughs> Let's be friends, but I don't, I'm not sure I know which Evelyn that is. But, you know, the ways of royalty. Just pardon me, please. I know it's 9-11. Just tell me if you can give me till 9.30. That's, I'm asking for how many more minutes? I think about 17. Can I go on to 9.30, please? Just give me a few more minutes, 13 more minutes. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. There are many kind people here. Don't go. Don't leave me. So I don't want to not see that uh, informer that said I give you Mutai, Jane, Claire. That said, oh, yeah, Pierre, you can have it. And now see Claire has left the chat. Don't leave me. Yeah, me, Basi. Stay here. Okay? <laughs> I love you guys very much. Okay. So let's do this. Um, it says, and I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven so that whatever you bind on earth, so you don't bind on earth until you have heavenly keys. So there are keys of the kingdom of heaven, but it is from it you use it to open doors in heaven. This is this is crazy. So here is the door. The, 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 the part of the door that has the keyhole is on earth, but the hinge of the door... <laughs> Is between earth and heaven. But the key to open the door comes from heaven. So you pray, and then God gives you divine blueprints, gives you divine inspiration, ideas, and all of that. And then you build the business here on earth. And then that business is a key. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is opening a door, but that door you are opening here on earth has a corresponding door in heaven. So as it is opening on earth, it is also opening in heaven. That is to tell you that even heaven needs you to move. Heaven needs you to move. <laughs> because what you open on earth opens something in heaven. This is why the angels marvel, what at man that thou art mindful of him? Why will you trust Uche like this now? God, this thing does not make sense. How will you give her keys? So the angels are roaming about heaven. This door, can we enter? God is like, no. Um, Cynthia has not yet opened it. Okay, what about this door? What dwells here? God is like, no. Um, we need John to open it. But, and they are like, what is it? These people, they don't know they have keys, God. Why will you connect us with them now? Wait till consign us, consign them. After all, the heavens have existed before they were born. Why would you commit these ancient treasures into the hands of this mortal man? Listen, heaven loves men that are curious about the keys God has given to them. But you see, the keys to the kingdom are not intangible spiritual things. The keys are physical, tangible structures, businesses, marriages, friendships, churches, ministries that you build. Everything you build here on earth is a key that is answering a question in heaven. I hope somebody is getting it. So please don't be a lazy Christian. Please don't be a religious Christian. Please don't be a believer that is satisfied with Sunday, Sunday routine. Don't be. 
go be. Be a doing Christian. Be a doer of faith. Not just a preacher, teacher, and receiver of faith. Do. Whenever you move to do, listen to me. You are opening a door. Don't be afraid to bound things. Don't be afraid to open things. Don't be afraid to say, this LGBTQ thing, the way it is moving, it must not enter Nigeria. So look at now, all the, have you noticed, it's almost like there's no comedy. There's no comedy if a man is not dressed like a woman. What is going on in Nigeria? Can somebody join me and do an Instagram live? Why must they dress like women? So they are, remember what I told you about art. So if you were existing in the day that God made man, you would have called creation art. So he formed man from the dust of the earth. And he put Noah's hand. I'm sure the people that are looking at it, they're like, oh, this is such a beautiful painting. Mm, beautiful. But they did not know the way of God. Whenever a God is crafting an art, the real purpose is not for entertainment. The real purpose is to put breath in the art, put his spirit in the earth, and the art becomes the conveyor of the agenda of that God. So when you see now, all the people, I love them. Sometimes the comedies are very funny, but Kela Nasa, Piranomekosika, you are acclimatizing, you are causing a generation to acclimatize to men looking like women. Once you can laugh about a thing, let me tell you, laughter is warfare. Do you know that? Do you know that? The one you laugh with, you are agreeing with. You are giving the strength of your throne to the one you laugh with. But the one you laugh at, you are fighting against. Because the Bible says, when the kings gather themselves and they say, let us break our bounds, let us free ourselves, we fight against him, Psalm 2. The Bible says, he that seated in heaven laughs. He laughs at them. That was the only word that God fought them. He laughed at them. So imagine if God sat in the and he's like, ah, yes, that's me, guys, my body. <laughs> Laughing with them is already paralyzing God. I need you to understand what I'm saying. So you need to not give your laughter because you are a spirit. When a spirit laughs, it is a signal of war. Are you hearing me? It is, there's nothing like just fun. We are like God, our father. And my laughter is a precursor that I'm about to deal with you. Do you know what I'm talking? So what are they doing? Ibuku, I, I hear you. Please send a message to Pastor Stephanie. Prayer in. So I, I see what they are doing underneath. They are preparing Nigeria, preparing Africa to receive this agenda. We are acting movies now. You see influencers. Then you a Christian. Oh... You a Christian, you are sending your makeup, you are sending your clothes to go and give a person that is like this, man. Because, okay, actually today I just want to talk about what's going on in society, hey? You people see, man. Then you too, you say, ah, you know, when the person influences, I hear this person is like the best influencer. Ah, you get like 1,000 sales. May the 1,000 sales perish in hell. Yes, go and report me. But listen, there is a behavior of royalty. Have you seen a king? There is a story I heard of some children that were kidnapped. And when the enemy took them, one of them was the prince of the land. And when the enemy took them and was killing the children, and so they would say, beg, 
So any child that begged that the child was going to be free, all the children begged, but one child. They would tell the boy, beg for your life. He refused to say anything. Beg for your life. As the soldiers were about to kill him, the king said, no, this child, I want to see the end of this matter. And then he sent the, 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 they punished the child. They didn't give the child food for days. No water, nothing, locked him in a dark room. Beg every day, the child refused to beg. Finally, the king said, call this boy, let, they asked him, why won't you beg for your life? The boy said, because I'm a prince and princes don't beg. Hey, you see this story, I heard it years ago, but he finished me. He said, princes don't beg. He was raised, this child was just like eight years old. But the way kings are raised from when they are children, they begin to tell them, you see that throne is yours. That throne is yours. Someday, all these old men will bow down before you. Oh, even this, my father's friend that comes to the house, that now I need to kneel down for him and say, welcome, sir. They say, yes, even this man, Mr. Agedo, one day he will bow to you when you sit on your father's throne. Because of the blood inside you, you are marked to lead. So begin to learn the behavior of royalty. So even though he was in physical captivity, his mind was still a prince. Can you understand what I'm saying? Many of us have been captured by the world. So even though we have the blood of Jesus flowing through our veins, our minds are in captivity to flesh and blood. The gay person will influence for me and give me one million followers. You plus your followers. Out. There's a behavior of royalty. Are we together? So heaven likes people who are daring and able to challenge the status quo. People who have the capacity to say, you know what? We are going to bound this thing. We are going to stop it. And the moment you stop it, you stop it from invading heaven. Have you wondered why it says, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, not in the heavens. But in heaven, why? What are you bounding in heaven? It's possible that our authority and the way we act here on earth has the ability to affect even the culture of the heavens. If you are listening to me with your husband or you are listening to me with somebody, look at the person. Oh my God, you are powerful. But if there's nobody with you, type it and say, my God, I am powerful. Whatsoever you, you have the ability to affect Things in the heavens. It said, whatsoever you shall lose on earth shall be lost in heaven. Real quickly, because I asked for just 13 minutes, so let me keep to my time. Real quickly, what, so what are gates? Are we here together? So what are gates? Quickly, quickly, quickly. So gates, number one, are points of transition. Points of transition. Every time you come into a season where God begins to tell you that a gate is open unto you, what God is inadvertently saying to you is that you are in a season of transition. When I taught you guys this last year, I said to you that 
in the ancient times or in the in the, the Hebrew, one of the no, not Hebrew, actually Greek. One of the words for gate is actually the same word for python. And it it was it is the word for python because um in those days the pythons used to hang themselves at the threshold of the door. So when people came into their houses, they had to check, check, check to make sure that there is no python there. And so the word for door was also the same word for a snake. And you, you need to get what I'm talking about. So when, when we say, don't listen plainly, it was also the same word for the snake. So that is to tell you that every time a person is in a season of transition, about to cross the door, because a door connects you from one place into another place. And in this case, from one realm into another realm, from one system into another system, from one season into another season, from one time of destiny into another time of destiny. So when God wants to promote a man, he opens a door onto the man. Are you with me? But uh, at the door, at every door, is a python spirit. It's the snake. He always attacks man at the point of his transition. You need to understand it. The snake came for them in the day where they were meant to be promoted. The Bible says that when God came down, he came down in the cool of the day. The Hebrew word for cool is also the word for spirit. So there was a spirit of that day. There was something about the configuration of that day in the spirit realm. And I have talked about this extensively. So go get my sermons. When I can't remember which, I shared a teacher. Just look for all my sermons on prayer ring. And I have talked about this extensively, but there was something about the configuration of that day. And it was a day, I believe that it was a day when Man should have been tested for promotion. And Satan could tell. Remember Lucifer, the Bible says he was in Eden, the garden of the Lord. So Eden or the garden is not new to Lucifer. He was already used to it. Ezekiel speaks about it. He used to walk to and fro the presence of God. So he was the anointed cherub of the Lord. He is used to how God operates. So he could tell. Now, but Adam and Eve were kind of like ignorant. But the Bible says Adam was not deceived. We'll talk about the door of pride another day. But so here is um, the serpent coming for them at the time of their transition. So even when they left the garden, remember what God said to them? Hey, 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 be careful. He came for your head, your authority, but he's still coming for your feet, your movement. So the serpent is always waiting at every time you're about to make a transition in life. So whenever you're about to do something big, something major, or you have a dream, God is about to give you a promise, be careful of the warfares that show up. Not all those warfares are really warfares. They are just noise to distract you. And then you end up giving your energy and your strength to something that is only going to leave you vulnerable to Satan's attack. So be careful. Uh, so gates... So how do I deal with pythons at the door? Oh my gosh. Um, go look for my sermon. I did an entire series, I think seven days, um, seven teachings on overcoming the spirit of the serpent and the scorpion. So go and watch that sermon, overcoming the spirit of the serpent and the scorpion. Watch it, okay? 
all the teachings on how to deal with the, the, with the serpent or the python is there. The snake spirit, what it comes to do, watch it. You'll find everything there. All right. So a gate is a point of transition. Um, a gate is also an access way in the spirit realm and in the physical. So it's also a point of access. So when God begins to say, hey, you're coming through, we're in a season of gates, we're in a season of gates, we're in a season of gates. What the Lord is saying is that we're in a season of access. What is access? Authority to enter, authority to possess, authority to take. So there are things you have been struggling before now. You have authority in this season to possess them. So let your prayers change. If you feel like your marriage has been in shambles for a while, please, this is not the time to spend the seven days saying, I just don't know God, this man, I just, I just don't know what to do here. No, no, this woman, I don't, no, 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 no. Don't waste your access. Nobody stands at a door and you have key and you are complaining. Just open the door, enter and do what you want. Do you get what I'm saying? So go and go for what you want. Why are you complaining? You have the keys to the kitchen. There's food in the, in the kitchen. You are complaining about hunger. Take the key, open the door because you have access. So in this season, let it affect your prayer point. So if before you were saying, God, just help me, I don't I, rather say to God, because I have access, I receive revelation. I receive inspiration. I receive visions about solutions for what I should build because I have access. And then take your pen and your paper and write these solutions. You get what I'm talking about? Because you are in an access season. The third thing is that gates are connections between realms. They are bridges. Connections between realms. Bridges between realms. And I've talked about it a bit. Now, a gate is also a table. It's a place of trade. It's a place of negotiation. It's a place of development, it's a place of feeding. I'll, I'll touch on these things a bit, but it's a table that you are invited to. A gate is a place of judgment. So usually judgments happen at the gates. Um, a gate is also a place of empowerment. Jacob was empowered at the gate of Bethel. A gate is a point of transformation. So there was another gate that he met at Peniel. And there he was transformed from Jacob to Israel. A gate is also a place of deliverance and inheritance. So the children of Israel went from Gilgal to Jericho because Gilgal became a gate of preparation, deliverance from different times, circumcision. So it became the place where they were empowered and it became also the place where they were empowered to go take their inheritance in Jericho. So a gate is also a place of deliverance and inheritance. So these are the things that are happening to us in this season. Now, when you talk about a gate being a place of um, transition, of course, you look at Genesis 28 verse 17, um, which is Jacob at, at Bethel. You know, it says, and he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. So he was in a season of transition and he found Bethel. So, and he found the gate of heaven. Every time you're in a season of transition, yes, the Python comes to harass you, but also note that the gate of heaven is also open to you in that season. Are we together? 
So under it being a transition, another scripture is Psalm 24. You know, it says, this is Jacob, the generation that seeks your face. And then he says, lift up your head, O ye gates, and be lifted up that the king of glory may come in. So it goes from saying, this is Jacob, to saying the king of glory is coming in. So in that same place of the gate was a transition from Jacob to Israel. Psalm 24, verse 7. Now, saying that it is a place of access, Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the gates, the door will be open. So it is a place of access. Um, as a connection between two realms, still in Genesis um, 28, Revelation 4 verse 1. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. So here is this voice inviting John the Revelator into a deeper revelation. So where he was, he could only see that a door was available, but he couldn't see the future. But for him to see the future, for him to see what will happen in the stock market, for him to see who will be the next president and where to put his beds, for him to know what school to take his children to, for him to know who his daughters, who his sons and daughters should marry, he had to enter through the door to enter into the next place where he will see the things that will take place after this. Is somebody with me? Revelation 4 verse 1. So he needed to enter the door to see the things that would, that would take place after this. So a door is a place of connection between two realms. So John the Revelator had to go from where he was into the next realm for him to see clearly the future. So you don't see the future from here. You see the future from there. I don't know if you understand, but I, I believe you are, you understand. Now, a gate is a place of trade. Genesis 23, verse 10 to 16. You know, when you read this passage, it describes Abraham negotiating for the purchase of the site where Sarah was buried. And this transaction took place at the gate of the city. So he was, and it wasn't Sarah that was then buried there. You didn't realize that many patriarchs and matriarchs were buried there. So what was going to become an eternal resting place, or not eternal, a lifetime resting place for many of the patriarchs, he negotiated for this sacred holy site at the gate of the city. There are some things that, you will get and you will keep some inheritance and legacy that you will give to your children and your children's children that you cannot get the authority to keep those things except you get the authority from the city gate. What does the city gate speak about? It speaks about the people at the helm of authority. There are some deals that God is about to give you. He is about to open you up to meet some major people in the government of your land. Mark my word, you are about to enter into some offices in the next one week, next two to three weeks. And God is about to introduce you to some major 
gatekeepers in your city and, and your nation. And the reason why God is doing that is so that like Abraham, you will know how to negotiate for sacred things that can be for generations. So there are some things you will build for your nation, some things you will build that will become a stronghold for many generations to come. Whenever you are about to erect something that will be transgenerational, you need the authority to come from the gates. You get it? All right. Um, I think I'm going to stop here because my time is, is spent. My time is spent. So I'm going to stop at the scriptures that it is a place of trade. I will stop here. And tomorrow I will continue from here in the morning if God leads us to pray like that. But I will give you the scriptures Furthermore, I couldn't cover everything I wanted to do. I wanted to finish that and tell you um, the different kinds of access in the spirit and its spiritual components that make up effective gates. But we'll, we'll just keep moving at the pace of God and see where he takes us. Maybe we'll continue next month at the end of the month, but it is well. Now, I want you to take your communion items. Take your bread, take your wine. Hallelujah. Do you have your communion items? Who has been blessed tonight by God? Who has the Lord ministered to and shifted something on the inside of you? Who feels like you're growing in the behavior of royalty and the revelation of who the Lord has called you to be? Hallelujah. Your families are about to change. The future of your children about to change. Your generation changing. Your bloodline, new covenants are being made. Everything about the name by which you have been named is shifting. Something powerful is happening this season. A warrior is being formed on the inside of you. A warrior is being formed on the inside of you. This is who we are. We are God's children. And so lift up that communion item and just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. As you pray, remember the things we have taught today. If your book is in, open in front of you, be reading it out. Be reading out the things you've taught. Ah, the gate is a place of access. Therefore, I have access. Ah, heaven is waiting for me to move. Therefore, I move. I am one of the people that control not just the affairs here on earth, but the affairs in the heavens. I am a woman of faith. I am a man of prayer. Hey, I travel in prayer. This one life that I have, it counts for something powerful. I am not distracted. I am not distracted by the issues that come to me in this life. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. And when we do it, we should know that it is him who are remembering. Let me tell you something about the memory of man. When the Bible says, remember not the former things. Forget the things of old. Forget the things that have passed. 
why the Bible tells you not to remember and not to forget is because the memory of man is not just pictures. The memory of man releases power and energy into the space of man. So you need to get what I'm saying. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word for beginning is the Hebrew word for mind, for head rather. So it says in the beginning or in the head of God, he created the heavens and the earth. In the head of God, he created the heavens and the earth. So the heavens and the earth were formed and crafted first by God's imagination. So when the Bible says he takes your sins and he casts them into the sea of forgetfulness, it is important for God to cast it into the sea of forgetfulness because if he keeps remembering them, it is active. You get what I'm saying? So when God commands us as gods to forget, to not remember, it is because the memory of a man is an engine, a spiritual engine that generates power for manifestation. This is why Jesus said, they said to you, do not commit adultery, do not sleep with another woman. He says, but I say to you, even by looking in lust at the person, you have already committed adultery. That is because the mind of a God is as real as the actions of the God. So that's why if you want, God wants you to be great. He first makes you great in your mind before he makes your hand great. So every time he came to a man he will use, he will first preach to the man. Oh, Gideon, thou son of valor, get up, be strong. Oh, he will talk. He told Joshua, remember all the things that I have taught you. Read my word daily. He says, then there you will have good success. Because if Joshua's mind could catch up with the revelation of the Torah, then Joshua could do everything that God wants him to do. Why am I saying this to you? He says, as often as you do this, remember me. Remember Jesus. When you remember Jesus as a man, as a God, you are generating the energy of everything that Jesus is, Jesus did, and Jesus can do. You are pulling it into your environment. When you take the time to think about Jesus, what you are doing, it is called part of the power of a God. The memory, the thinking is part of a God's power. It's like when you want to solve problems, many scientists have been known to think about the thing they want to solve for hours and then they go to bed. Then they see solutions in their dreams because it's part of the configuration of you as a God. So as you hold this bread and wine, think about Jesus now. Begin to think about Jesus. He bled. He died. He gave his life so that you may never lack access. He's alive even now. He walks through walls and walks through doors. He still heals the sick and he raises the dead. Jesus, we thank you. As we receive this, we glorify your name. And we thank you for making it possible for us to hear your word, to teach your word. And we receive every blessing that you have for us. And we declare that as we take this communion, we are part of you. We are part of you. We are part of the testimony that is Jesus. Let every aspect of our life reveal this faith that we have in your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. So eat the bread.
drink the wine. May God be forever praised in our lives. May God bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God turn his face towards you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. I love you with the love of the Lord. Yes, we love Good you. Good night. Thank you so much. We love you. 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 Remember, thank you so much. Prayer in has scheduled 12 30 p.m. West African time. They pray till 1 6 30 p.m. West African time. They pray till 7. And we all pray in the morning at 5 a.m. So be here 5 a.m. sharp. The prayers would have started and worship. I know tomorrow is Sunday, so we're going to be short tomorrow because people need to go to church. So we're going to do five to six so that you can get ready for your church services. All right. Love you. Bye. Thank you, Pia. For your dreams. Bye. Take record Thank of your you. dreams, okay? Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Pia. Bye. Good night. Thank you, P.I. Good night. Thank you, ma'am. Good night, ma'am. Good night.